Welcome back to Our Street. Lynn Fisher here with Kurt Elder, as always. How you doing, Kurt? Lynn, I'm well. Thank you so much. What a beautiful day. Yeah, it is. It's Taylor Wyatt here, who's running for city council. Welcome back to the show, Taylor. Hey, thanks for having me. It's glad to be here. Yep, we were here uh, about four years ago doing okay. this. Okay, yep. very good. So, um, for those listeners who don't remember, why don't you go ahead and give us your background, start from the beginning, and and uh, learn more about Graduated from there, went to the University of Nebraska, ended up um, exiting that as a teacher, went to Waverly where I was a teacher and a coach, helped start the baseball program out there. Um, I was there as a teacher for five years, um, and then I actually kept coaching up until 2021. Um, um, And at the end of the day, landed with my real estate license. I've been doing that now for six years. Uh, My wife and I are both realtors, so that's what I do full time. Um, I ran four years ago i ran for city council uh the northeast seat i had friends family um business friends that uh, encouraged me to do so lost really close around 600 700 votes a little over one percent less than two percent of the vote um and here we are four years later um after that the home builders association of lincoln um encouraged me to join them as their political affairs director here locally so I worked with them to kind of broker meetings between them and uh, city council members, uh, mayor staff, um, that type of thing, um, city departments that they worked with, and, and have meetings and discussions about um, what they do and, and how they can work together. So I got a lot of valuable experience doing that. Um, and, and folks in the trades encouraged me to run again. Um, other folks in the community that I respect, they were all encouraged me. So I threw my hat in the ring again. Um, and it's lining up to be the the same two of us um, that are running for that seat. Yep, yep. And Kurt, go yeah, ahead. So you announced back in September, August? Yeah, it's been a bit, yeah. And so that was, so your opponent was then still running for the legislature at the time. Yep. Did you have an idea of, uh, well, did you think he was going to win that race or were you surprised he didn't win that race? Or just, just kind of a curious question there. I don't know that I was surprised. I knew it was going to be close. Sure. I knew he had a chance to win it, um, but I, I didn't know how those cards were going to fall. Sure, sure. <clears throat> Just curious there. So, as with all candidates, um, there's there's uh, lots of time out in the streets, walking, wearing out shoes. Yep. What are those things that you're hearing when you, well, perhaps it's too early to do walk, knock, talk, since oh, it's, it's still kind, kind of cold? Definitely not too early. I do have a new pair of shoes ready to go for when the weather turns, <laughs> so I'm not going to put them on yet, but... Um, Yes, I have been out knocking doors. Um, of course, there's there's a large contingent of folks that uh, haven't yet realized that there's an election coming up. Um, but the ones that are ready to talk about um, direct issues, property taxes are a big deal. Roads are a big deal. Safety are a big deal. Um, along the lines with all of that is affordability. Um, people are wanting these things without putting in more money. They've been asked for more and more and more and not gotten more of what they're putting in. So that is a, a direct concern is affordability on top of those other things. It's kind of the overarching issue. When you have those conversations with constituents and when they say that they want more, but there's also the idea of maintaining everything is getting more expensive, right? Sure. Yep. So how does a candidate approach those two ideas, you know, more versus maintaining and everything costs more? What do you say to a uh, you know, random door, door knock on, on just on that note? Well, I, I have budgetary concerns as well. 
Um, I mean, we all do it with our own families, our own personal situations where we have to budget, we have to make decisions, um, and we have to have a value system that aligns with that. So, yes, we want more. We want we want roads. We need to be more creative on how to get that done and get it done properly. Um, you know, the quarter cent sales tax, there's a lot of folks saying, hey, where is that, especially in Northeast Lincoln? They're not feeling the love from that. Um, there's been some decision-making on where the money has gone, saying, hey, roads were obviously a big deal to us. Why why haven't they been handled? Because we voted for this. We put ex- we voted for extra taxes, and we're not feeling the, the give back. Meanwhile, there's other programs that people see that they're saying, I, I don't see the value in that. So it's it's really a where you're putting your money and budgeting in it properly equation. Now, we can't have everything we want. If we did that, we'd go broke just like you would with your family if you if you went that route. Um, so there are decisions that have to be made, but there's non-negotiables too that I'm hearing from the com- community, and, and primarily those are safety and, and roads. So when we look at how those <clears throat> funds are you know, spent and how the processes, you know, how certain segments of road are selected and what the underlying data says, are you pretty familiar with that process? And if so, are you educating voters as you do that? Yeah, I've I've been to a lot of those community meetings, a lot of those selection type processes. Um, so I am familiar with those. I know there are tough decisions with it. You, I don't think you can make everybody happy. No, no and no and you also have to remember we do have um, we live in a in a world that we get ten degrees and one hundred and ten degrees in the same year. You're you're going to get potholes with that. So it's not going to be you're not going to be driving on a perfect right. street every single time. Having said that. Um, I can say confidently that Northeast Lincoln in particular feels like they have been neglected um, in the selection process. But yeah, if they would go look at that map, you would see a number of projects that are occurring in Northeast Lincoln. And we look at the overall dot distribution of those projects are really, it looks about even. Don't necessarily disagree with that, but there, there's, it, it had been, well, the, again, these are the feelings there and I can't go back far enough to tell you, um, exactly the history i can tell you the feeling is you go out south those roads were in better shape to begin with they're newer they're you know and so the infrastructure in northeast lincoln needed more help to begin with and as the northeast lincoln guy myself i'm in your district yep uh, okay and so lynn and i also have our real estate backgrounds as well so we can have a really conversation here um when you look at you know so there's a, this idea of this quarter cent sales tax out there, and you also had said a bit about safety. Mm-hmm. Um, the Northeast Police Station moved from its from its historic home on North North 48th Street. Um, now they're moving over to uh, roughly 52nd and R. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that? Does it really matter to you? Are people saying anything about that? People aren't saying anything okay. about that. Um, I did meet with the police union. Um, that wasn't brought up there either. Um, I, I'm glad to listen. The guys that know the best about how to police an area are the guys doing it. And so I would want to go to those guys and talk to them if they have concerns about that or not. Um, but I I haven't had that conversation, sure. so I can't elaborate too far. But they know where they can police best from. Um, they brought up some issues to me that I never even thought of. Um, and they're, you know, those are the guys that need sure. consideration. Have you reached out to any of the other four city unions to talk to them um i've talked to the fire union as well so we have a uh, police union fire union managers 
uh, PAGE, which is um, more of your blue-collar worker. Then you have your LCA union, which is more of your uh, middle management, uh, analyst, tech kind of persons. Um, I'm sure they would love to have a conversation with you as well. Yeah, I'd be glad to have it. Um, the only one I've, the only two I've spoken to so far are fire, firefighters and police. The only two unions that give money. No, <laughs> well, no, I, I, I know that's not the reason you talk to you, but definitely but, not. But, but, but they're also just really engaged with the candidate process. Yep, just right there. And, and the truth of the matter is, I, I don't anticipate getting money from either one of them. Uh, that wasn't the goal of meeting with sure. them. But it is to be able to talk about what they need and have knowledge of it going in because. I do want this job and in ending up with that job, you don't want to go in blindsided as far as, okay, I've never met these guys. Well, yeah. So that's, those, those are primary ones. So I'd love to meet the other ones too. Lynn, I got some more questions though, but if you got one. No, no, yeah. I'll follow up with, with what you got. Sure. So what I like doing with candidates when, when they come in is just looking at their accountability and disclosure commission reports. Sure. Where I don't I don't see a, a lot of donations to your campaign right now. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are you just waiting for the last moment, which candidates do all the time? I'm just trying to learn more about who is supporting campaigns. That's all. No, we've done, uh, we're, we're, I think we're definitely on track with where we want to be. Um, we're getting a lot of support from, um, from uh, I don't know if I want to say no, their no, names, okay. but, um, but <laughs> from business folks and, and people in the trades. Sure. Um, that's been a popular group. You know, you know, it's uh, when people think about the want to run for office. Mm-hmm. One, we need more people to do that. So thank you for running. But two, it's 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 not an easy thing. It takes time, and time is money. Definitely, but it also takes hard cash by itself. What's 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 the cost to run for office these days? I mean, that's it does take like a hundred grand. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a keep in mind that is a district, a district run. Yeah. yeah, that's not a citywide run. Yeah, it's like a mayoral race is like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. I would venture to higher crawl towards a million. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm not an expert on that. I've I've got people surrounding me that um, are helping me with those details. But um, yeah, that that's the goal. So it does take money. It takes asking folks to do that. That's I, I'm not sure shy about the fact that hey, that's somebody's living. That's no, not, yeah. that's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be, that's their resources. Sure. So, um, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. When when we look at, so I know that you had said taxes, but that's a, just a big topic by itself. And maybe we can get to that on the second half of the show. Yeah, I'd be glad to but, talk about property but, taxes. But when we think about you know the direction and goals of a community and city, I think it's always good for a candidate to talk about what are the things that they want to happen. What are your goals for our community? I definitely want it uh, safe and affordable are my big things. And I want it to be open for business. We need to be welcoming to business, um, businesses and, um, business people to be able to thrive. We want opportunity. We don't want to cut it off, um, with unnecessary red tape that makes things more expensive. Um, part of that is part of the safety aspect or anything else. I talked to both police and fire. They're struggling with staffing. So are a lot of businesses, but our, our livability has to match as far as, hey, what can you make here doing the job and what can you, what's your lifestyle look like as a result? And if it's too expensive compared to what you can pay, then we've got a problem. And a lot of those problems come with unnecessary red tape and, and high taxes. So if we would consider that idea of, and I'm going to focus on homes because sure. you had said that you're from, um, you're a real estate agent and you have a connection to the home builders uh, community. Yeah. If we would look at the historical 
purchasing power of our community. So if we look at the median family income of any given quarter and the number of homes sold given the mortgage rate and things of that nature, historically, uh, 85 to 9% of all homes could be purchased by a median family income here. Um, that really started to break down probably mm-hmm. about the third quarter of 20. 2022, right mm-hmm. around there. I mean, it got tight around the third quarter of 2021, but really it just mirrored, you know, home prices going up. Definitely. Mortgage rates changing. Yep. Everything's getting more expensive. Natural gas. I just had a conversation about that this Absolutely, morning. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, I was pretty fired up when I got my <laughs> <laughs> Almost 200 bucks. Yeah. And I'm not, and I have I have some weight on me to keep me warm. It's yeah. not like I'm, <laughs> you know, cold or anything. Same here. So, so, when, so when we look at, you know, a lot of homes are affordable, but due to market forces, how do we locally really begin to adjust national market forces? Well, I mean, when it comes to market forces, that's there. But we're, you know, go to, go up to Omaha and look at the same house and see the price difference. Um, lot availability is is a big. That's a single single issue that could bring down home prices quickly. Is that really true, though? I mean, if you were to look at the planning site's website, if you look at final plot of lots, we have almost a four-year supply of lots. And really, it's the home builders that aren't opening up more land and building more. And so, really, they're just keeping the supply tight, which was what I would do if I was a home builder. Well, I, I would, If you look at those lots that are in the process, we have like 12 years of lots and ready to go. But we have four years of lots ready to go. How much more do we need? That's definitely the terminology that, that's used. But is water and sewer there? Yes. Is it ready to go? Yes. And how, what are the quality of those lots? Is it something that is actually of value to people that people are wanting to purchase? Is the market there? Th- those are all things worth talking about. Well, chances are that a developer went through that process and he thought, or they thought so, yes, at some point. So just trying to understand that. What point do we need to get your goals moved in the right direction? Uh, Lynn, where are we at in our time? We're ready for a break. Let's take a break. All right. We're going to do that, so for our listeners, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a minute talking to Taylor Wyatt running for city council. See you in a minute or two. Welcome back here to Our Street, Kurt Elder and Lynn Fisher, and we're chatting with a candidate for city council, Taylor Wyatt. And Taylor, before the break, we were talking about uh, uh, housing issues and uh, affordability. So in Lincoln, we have impact fees. Yeah. What do you think of impact fees? How does that affect affordability? Well, I know one of the frustrations in, um, from a new build standpoint is impact fees and the fear of them going up um, because they're not covering, well, reportedly they're not covering the cost of infrastructure, which is what it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, impact fees, I believe right now are five or 6,000. Depends um, on what it's for, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, but I'm for talking a about, residential I'm home. talking residential. Oh, sure, home. sure, yeah. Um, so right away, boom, that's on your line item and that's going to get passed on to a, to a buyer. Um, immediately. But what that is for is water, sewer, roads, all the infrastructure that goes in. Um, at the same time, those they're saying that that's not necessarily covering it. Um, at the same time, older developments, um, you know, they, they need new roads and things like that too. So those are immediately adding up prices and then the new build community is feeling like they're getting taxed on multiple levels to cover different roads. That's that's a significant amount of money. When you think about a house, you know, a new house, you're talking three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars. You're not talking about small amounts of money. But every thousands 
thousand dollars means something. Every thousand dollars on on a family prices out about 180 families. Uh, give me some grace on that number. But um, <laughs> the National Home Builders Association uh, did research, and Lincoln was a data point. So we have exact data on Lincoln, and every thousand dollars, about 180 families. So f- you know, five six thousand dollars. You do the math. That's not a small chunk of people that just got locked out of buying that home. Um, I believe there needs to be a ladder system, and by that I mean there needs to be good entry level housing for the people that are just starting out. You know, they've done some good things. They've got their debt down. They've they've got some money to put down. They need to have an entry-level home to go into. But the people that are, now they've had two or three kids, it's, we need another bedroom kind of situation. They need somewhere to move into. And right now there's a big gap there as far as, okay, well, now do we need to go to a $500,000 house? Because we can't afford that. So they're stuck there, which clogs up the entry-level housing. Um, that's among among other issues every time we talk about a thousand dollars there needs to be some impact there because it can get lost in the, in the train of three hundred fifty thousand. yeah so my last question about housing <clears throat> and that's probably wrong i love housing this, yeah. this is my favorite thing anyway uh when, when we think about you know just those people wanting to enter the housing market you know, you know housing choice is a really big thing and you know you had spoke about that family that was in like a three hundred thousand four thousand four four hundred thousand dollar house wanting to go to five because they had another kid um good for them but if we look at those market that is trying to enter and become first-time home buyers mm-hmm. um when we look at the reasons why people are denied a line of credit, denied a mortgage, mm-hmm. those are barriers, barriers as as well. Is there anything that we can do as a, as the city council to help those buyers be better informed and then enter the housing market and make them more aware of those problems that arise through the whole process? Maybe get them more engaged and find better solutions. Yeah. Well, I mean. Definitely. I, I work with people all the time that are just getting, the, the, you know, hey, Taylor, we don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Here's our situation. We just we just got married or or I'm, I'm single and and but I want to buy a home. I'm, I'm tired of renting. OK, so where do, where do I even begin? So I've got relationships with lenders, of course, that we get get together and say, OK, well, where's your your debt to income ratio? We have that whole conversation of how how do you get to a point that you can buy a house? And that that process could start way sooner as far as understanding what you're doing when you get into certain debts, um, whether it be student debt or vehicles or whatever it might Car, be. Car, yeah. credit card. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So those are definitely hurdles that education can can help get people um, in better situations before we start. But then providing that entry-level housing, because even if you do a good job of staying low on debt, building your credit, whatever sure. that looks like, um, and you now you've got... 10 grand in the bank and you're ready to go find a house and you have very minimum debt, but you're at a start starting job and your income might not be that high. Okay. So you might need a $200,000 house. Go play on Zillow for a little bit and see what you can find for that. Um, that's a problem. Yeah. And you can't build it for that. No. So, um, and then even using certain uh, uh, supporter programs through NeighborWorks, the city. Yeah. Which where, where, they program, only, yeah. where they only ask for like two and a half, three percent 3% down, that yeah. 10 grand still doesn't go very far. No, it doesn't. But there, I mean, there's opportunities out there. There's a lot of people making pretty decent money just flipping homes because they do have the money already. And but that's still upping the price. So uh, people, there are opportunities out there. Having said that, all these different things. You know, for example, let's talk about the floodplain and and what's going on with that. Raising that floodplain um, and expanding potentially expanding that floodplain adds unnecessary costs 
to a home and puts the people at a lot of these entry-level houses further into a, a tougher situation. Because they need flood insurance. You need flood insurance, which frankly is not a very good product. It doesn't protect you very well. It's not cheap. Um, and it adds to it and it devalues the house. So when you go to sell it, it just lessens in value. Yeah. I mean, when, yeah, if, 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 if I'm also in that, that business. And so when you have a, a home that wasn't in the floodplain, now it is in the floodplain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's value is affected dramatically Yep. and it's, and it's, uh, appeal to anyone who's a potential buyer changes dramatically. So it really hurts. But would you also agree that it's best to use the best or at least better better data within those flood models it should be studied absolutely that's the problem is I, i've sat in some of those um, meetings too and i'm not standing here as a climate denier but i did ask the question hey can we see the research on this and they said we don't we don't have time or the money to do the study this is these are just models i can reference two snowstorms that we had this year um, based off models one we were supposed to get a foot and we ended up with next to nothing and nobody was at school um and the next one we were supposed to get next to nothing we ended up with about a foot so models don't always work they they said the study is too expensive to do well there was a private group of of businesses that came together and said hey we have the money for you to do the study they said no thanks we're not going to do the study so that i guess i guess where I, was, where I was going with this is that when you do a fema flood map you don't the model side of it isn't modeling on what rain might be it, sure. it's, it's using the baseline of historical weather patterns and and that's something that's okay to use right and and there should be some importance when it comes to the fema versus what is being expected right now which is a foot above fema standards that's a big that's a big difference Uh, and the fema folks are are doing a study right now i think they're it's in the works so you know yeah that was part of our last um stormwater bond so that's kind of a fun question so when we look at utilities uh, across the city no 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 water, no wastewater. All those have a uh, line item uh, fee, but yep. s- stormwater does not. We rely wholly upon the good graces of the uh, voters. Voters, right? Mm-hmm. And that's partially why they also do that that vote during the springtime. We get a big rain, like, yep, I'm voting for stormwater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. But do you think that in order to have a better, long term, s- more stable line of planning, do you think that should be its own utility? Well, I, I think it should definitely be looked at and considered. Um, that it, Anything that helps the budgeting process be more clear, I think, is a good idea. Um, so if you can make it clarified, that that's great. Having said that, the voters um, the voters need to have a say in, in all of those things. So I, I hate to take anything away from the voters. Having said that, the trust is eroding to a point that the voters are going to start saying no. And if the voters start saying no to things that you're relying on as a budget, where are you going to go from there? Let's talk about uh, property valuation. We've had this huge increase in the mm-hmm. last, well, just the last one alone across the board. I think there's you know, the market <clears throat> that we've had a hot market in real estate and the new assessor has made an adjustment that reflects that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the question then becomes, between the school and the county and the city, are they are there going to be adjustments to the mill levy to counterbalance the fact that we have this huge increase in valuation? Um, I mean, if you're elected to the city council, then the only part that you can affect is about that 15%. But yep. overall, what are your thoughts about should the taxing authorities make some adjustments in the mill levy and or should they 
take advantage of this huge uh, windfall. No, I think I think they it, people are struggling right now. Is this this economy? It's not the right time to try to take advantage of a windfall. Um, I've had a lot of clients call me about their valuations. They want to argue them, and frankly, there's not a lot to argue. The valuations are up. There's a lot to support it. Um, there are some people with an argument, but the vast majority of us don't have an argument. Mine went up too. But what you said, the levy on all those levels, uh, county, school, city, they should all be addressed and and quickly because um, it is hurting people. When you when you talk about, you know, I talked about that $1,000. Well, your monthly budget ma- matters too. Insurance premium, this is more of a national thing, and I, I'm not in the insurance business, so I can't speak too far on this, but my insurance went up almost 50%, and I know I'm not alone. Um, we talked about natural gas off-air a little bit, and that went up high. Then you had the valuations. My monthly budget had to adjust by $400 a month. That's $4,800 a year. That's not a minor amount of of money. You, well, yeah, obviously you're not going to be having the discretionary uh, income to do things other than the necessities. Then. Definitely. You're going to cut back on vacations. This is for everybody. Restaurants. Uh, Restaurants, I mean, eating businesses, out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Donations. Yeah, the donations. donations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to affect everyone. So, And they say the recession is coming, you know, with the yeah, interest rates being pushed up higher and higher and higher to fight inflation uh, we're gonna and thankfully historically Lincoln hasn't uh, suffered the the highs and the lows and the the major effects of recessions we've always been uh, behind the curve on that which is good that's a good thing but uh, it still has an effect Kurt so we're getting closer on time Uh, so I have a little lightning round and then I want to give you time to share your website again, spell it out, you bet. Uh, how people get a hold of you. But uh, quick hot takes, uh, thoughts on a convention center. Does does Lincoln need one? I, I think there's a lot of value along with it. Um, I, I think there's potential there. It, it, it comes down to how, how are we going to finance that and how does that come together? And I don't know the details of that, but I get, I. I get excited about new development and new business coming to Lincoln. Great segue. Thank you for that. Um, if you had to judge your a full understanding of tax increment financing from mm-hmm. zero to 100. 100 meaning that I get how the bonding authority happens at the very end and how it's both for blight and economic development. What's your understanding of that whole process? I feel like there's new twists to it all the time, so I'm going to stay away from 100%, but I'm going to give I'm going to give it an 80. I feel I feel pretty solid on on the process, um, but I feel like I learned something new and each situation is so different that it kind of has its own twist and turn. Sure. sure. Uh, and then and then lastly, um in the last four years, yeah, that that seems right. Uh, the mayor is very uh, environment focused, and they had passed and they had passed the uh, climate action plan. Any thoughts of that plan or or that planning process? There's a lot of unknowns within that plan of of costs, and that's my primary concern when it, when it comes down to it. Um, I am all all for um, good quality, sustainable energy whatever that looks like. I think there's a spot for a lot of people at that table and a lot of different sources at that table. Um, and I think if you go too hard in on one option and you take people's options away, I think that hurts the whole plan in general and it can be non-cost effective. And my last one, uh, as part of that plan and other plans, there's a need for, there's an identified need that goes back 12 years through different master plan updates within the water system for a second water source. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the preferred solution they have is going directly to the Missouri River. Big projects like that take time to save up and pay for. Yep. What's the best way to pay for that? I mean, 
is it going to be something that you just start putting an extra fee on the on the consumer now and just pay it off over time? There's, or, a, there's a lot of levels right. to that that I, I hate to speak on because it can even go up to federal yes. funds being, yeah. being given all that kind of stuff. It is an important issue. It's something that is needed um, for further development. We've got a lot of development out south, um, out towards the Bennett area, all that kind of stuff, and a lot of those areas right. are hurting when it comes to water uh, resources. Water, um, I think, is the main limiter for us to uh, developing to towards the north. Oh, yeah. I, I I think you're right, and I think that I would love to see that happen. Yeah. So um, there's lots of opportunity, but I think that is a, a big hurdle to get over, so it, it needs some primary focus and is a worthwhile use of funds. Tell us how we can get a hold of you. Yes, yeah, so um, feel free to go to my website. It's Wyatt for Lincoln. That's W-Y-A-T-T-F-O-R-L-I-N-C-O-L-N.com. Um, please reach out. Check me out. Um, there's a Facebook as well. Um, you can find me on there. Um, Wyatt for Lincoln again. So check me out. Reach out. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Love to get All your right. vote. Taylor, thanks so much for coming on.